yeah, that's that's the thing. People are tired. They're just tired of doing so much with little return. I think that's what I see in a lot of my clients is that they, I think they, in, it's not even so much the money is they don't feel internally valued. Like that, or that they, the thing that they have to give to the world matters or is being, is actually, they're not seeing any fruit from how they want to heal the world. And that's painful over time. Well, welcome back to the Exploring Exile podcast. My name is Mike Klein, your host, and I'm so grateful that you joined us for this conversation today. It's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be really, really uh, enlightening. Uh, this is a conversation with a friend of mine, a contemporary, someone I deeply admire, Trisha Wellstead. Uh, Trisha is the executive director of the Leadership Center here in Portland, Oregon, where she coaches women and men all over the country, really, uh, on their vocation and, and their leadership. Uh, she's been doing that since 2012, and uh, Trisha, you know, she has a doctorate herself. She teaches at George Fox and other places, but she's also a pr- practitioner uh, of the faith, of the Christian faith. She's an ordained elder in the Free Methodist Church and deeply admire her commitment to uh, to not just the academy, but also the local church. And Trisha's vision uh, is, is what I think makes her perfect for this conversation. Uh, Trisha's vision is that the the world would have all people activating their unique identity and calling, welcoming one another to play and work together in mutually honorable, hospitable, and generous ways that create healthy and sustainable relationships with God, self, others, and the planet. Wow, <laughs> that is a mouthful, but just go back and listen to that again. Like This is a person who's really clarified who they are and what God's called them to do in this world and to help other people figure out the same thing. And so that's why I think Trisha is really the perfect person to have a conversation about what what the mainstream media is calling uh, the great resignation. And we'll, we'll talk about in this episode whether that's really the best way to refer to it. But it's this phenomenon, right, of, of so many people quitting uh, their jobs and either changing careers or, or not going back to work or, or all kinds of things. And um I think Trisha has has some unique insight in, into this that that uh, many of us may not have, and so eager eager for you to listen into this. If you have any comments or questions, uh, make sure you jump on Facebook and and join the conversation on the Exploring Exile page. Um, and uh, I don't want to I don't want to waste any more time, so let's jump into this conversation. Well, I am so excited uh, today to have Trisha Wellstead on the podcast. As you just heard, uh, she is really the perfect person to have this conversation about, to probe this phenomenon that's happening on a deeper level, uh, what many are calling the great resignation. Maybe we'll get into whether we feel like that is an appropriate name for what's happening or not, but uh, she's a vocational coach, which I'll let her share a little bit about what that means, and um, I know she's a follower of Jesus, looks at the world through this curious Christian lens that we're trying to cultivate um, in this podcast. So, Trisha, really, really excited to have you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. So, the Great Resignation. Um, tons of people voluntarily quitting their job. We've all felt the effects of that. I was actually supposed to have lunch today with someone and went to the restaurant and it was closed due to 
uh, lack of employees. So perfect setup for today's conversation. But yeah, especially hospitality, flights being canceled, all kinds of things because of the lack of workers. Thought it was plateaued, slowing down is kind of what, what I thought. I, I found a recent report yesterday actually says a record 4.5 million people quit or switch jobs in November. So, you know, one researcher projects that once we get to numbers for December, potentially we have had 33% of the U.S. workforce quit a job in the last two years. That is hard to believe. Like, what do you... What do you make of what's going on? Like, what do you make of this this trend, Tricia? I think I think it's complex. I don't think it's really, really super simple. Like, um, I think that we've all had enough time because, well, I think a lot of it's pandemic related. So, mm-hmm. and maybe that's obvious, but I think that because of the pandemic and because of things getting so wild with quarantines and in and out of um, mandates and all sorts of different things that have happened. Um, There's been a lot of asking hard questions. And I think that those questions don't just, they're not just political. They're also personal. They're, what do I want for my life? Where do I want to be? What do I want for my future? We've had a lot of things converge in the last few years and I think that people are asking themselves a lot of questions about, well, what is, what is it that I want my life to be about? And I think that there's been a lot of, we were going so fast in the beginning of 2020. I think there was kind of this mm-hmm. illusion at the beginning of 2020 mm. that we, that it was going to be like the year, like there was going to be so many incredible things that were going to happen in 2020. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, every, was, every pastor had their uh, Vision 2020 series. Right, right. <laughs> it, was, it's, it was so cliche that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it became the most anti-cliche. I mean, and, and then you could go, you know, just start with the murder hornets and go from there. And there were so many things that happened over and over, like um, that we didn't expect. And it just slowed us all down. Mm-hmm. Really... Um, causes to ponder on some deep levels and and we're still asking a lot of questions but i so i think that that is a big piece of this i think Mm -hmm. and i think what's also happening in all this because it's caused all these levels of turmoil and corporations i mean all the things that we feel from inflation to church Mm -hmm. to experiences to online everything um it's shaking us up at a pretty core level. So we're asking some pretty heavy questions and it's also impacting the way that we work every day yeah. and what, what we're doing every day and do we want to be here? And so, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. When you wrote, uh, you wrote a recent blog entry where you, you said, uh, I, I like this. You said when the pandemic hit, many people wondered if they would be able to keep their job, but now we are asking whether we want the job we have. You expand on that a little bit because I think that's a that's a powerful quote. Yeah, I I have been thinking about this for a while because I've seen it in a few pretty large companies specifically. Like there have been um, there have been so many layoffs and shutdowns that we experienced at the beginning. I watched organizations like lay off a quarter or more of their staff, mm. 
shut down completely. We, I mean, I live in Portland. So many businesses closed or at least temporarily closed, right? But then it was like, will we be able to start up again? Well, so then they want to and that, or they do. And there's, and then it was like, well, no, now we have to change capacities. Like just thinking in the restaurant industry alone, like, okay, we're closed. Now we're open. Now we're closed. Now we're open. Like, and it, this bobbing up and down and it creates so much chaos for people mm-hmm. that they, it's jolting them to go, wait, do I just follow this? Do I just do it? Do I really even want to be here anymore? So that's, that's what that is. Like, am, am I being valued? Do they want me? Do I belong? Is this what brings me joy? Do I feel like I'm actually contributing something meaningful in the world? Like, these are all these big questions. Like, am I actually getting paid a decent wage for what I'm doing here? Mm-hmm. And so then when they evaluate all of those factors and probably more, like, is this good for my family? Do I even like where I live? Do I see myself here in 10 years? All of those questions. So many questions people are asking. But then they go, there's, there's a good chance 50% of the time or more even that they go, no, no I don't want that. It's not worth it. Mm-mm. Well, I think, yeah, I, um, I, what's interesting is there's this huge number of people quitting or switching, mm-hmm. right? Like we said, potentially up to 33% of, I think that's non-farm workforce. We, we measure that differently than farm workforce, apparently. Not an expert on employment, but there you go. Yeah. So like 33% of people switching or, or quitting their work and yet unemployment continues to drop, right? So where are all those people going? What, like, do you have any thoughts about that? Of like, what are people doing instead? Those people who are saying, is this worth it? I'm, these hours don't work. I'm having to juggle things I don't care about. I don't feel purpose. Like, are, what are they doing instead? Because you would think, right, if that number was true, you would think unemployment would be skyrocketing again, but it's not. It's not. I, ha- I don't have confirmation of this, but I think this is what's happening. I think that there's more opportunity that we don't just naturally see. Like, mm. And what I mean by that is the internet. <laughs> What's this? Like, What's this internet you talk about? Like, there are so many ways you can make money that are not going in and having FaceTime at an employer. That's mm-hmm. not in an office. And now we've lived virtually or semi-virtually for so many people for the last few years. And ever more so that it's like, well, I mean, there are so many new websites with like work for hire, contracted work, all sorts of different ways that you can um, be employed without going and working downtown or, you know, so I think that that's a major piece of it. I don't have stats for all of that. I just am seeing it because I'm living in both worlds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and I think, um, I know that uh, new business starts and people applying for, you know, whatever that licensing is to start a new business, whether it's an LLC or just, you know, a company or are at record highs as well. So essentially you have a bunch of people choosing to be self-employed, not unemployed, and I, you know, but that's not, I don't know. That isn't what I hear from a lot of people, right? That, that's not um, one of the typical talking points is that, you know, well, people are just lazy or, 
you know, no one wants to start at the bottom and work their way up anymore. You know, these kids these days, <laughs> kind of, let's be real. Like there's a, there's a generational um, conversation that tends to happen among these things. And like, none of that seems to stick though. If people are actually being more entrepreneurial, that's actually a good thing, right? In the long run, maybe, or. Yeah. I mean, entrepreneurs are kind of what runs the world. Like, and I know that's a little bit facetious, but it's, it's people who have taken the risk to start something that then support the people who are employed by them. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these different people that you can do that just for yourself. You can, you know, you can start a DBA or an LLC and you can just do self-employed just one person. But then I, mean, I, I have someone that I work with that they are a teenager and they have started their own business and they helped me do some of my work. Mm. And I didn't know they were as young as they were when I hired them. And because we do work virtually. Right. And their work is incredible. Like they are not lazy. They work very hard. They are always on time. They're an excellent communicator. They follow up well. So mm. that, I mean, that's just one person. But I, I have, I ran an internship program with college students for a decade and still continue to support people in creating their own internship programs. And I see lots of young people who are incredibly hard workers. Yeah. And I think part of what I remember seeing when I was coming through college and out just out of college in my early twenties, and maybe you experienced this too, as somebody who had this calling to ministry is I felt wildly innovative and wanted to like change the world for Jesus. It was like mm-hmm. this whole thing of like, I just wanted to see people love God and be in community. We had this dream of like starting a coffee shop and ministry and all this stuff. But that seemed so incredibly difficult. Like, how would you get enough capital to do that? How would like, we can, like, we're just going to like start a program at our church yeah, or be right. master of the church, right? Like it was like, we just jumped onto what, it was so difficult to, as a young person start. but you had this passion I don't think that passion goes away for young people right? in the sense of having a calling and an unction to do something meaningful with their life. I think everyone has that. And I think that now there's just a lot more access to starting things on your own, whether that be on Spotify or a podcast or, a, you know, mm-hmm. any number of business. Well, and even just this narrative that it has to do with laziness or whatever. And, and you know, are there some people who are taking advantage of the situation um, sure, probably. That That's always the case. Always has been. It's not any different now than it ever been. Um, but this idea that, you know, a certain generation or a certain group of people are lazy for me is hard because like, I know you and I, we live in the Pacific Northwest, one of the most expensive places to live in the, in the country. Most most people I know are having to work two, three jobs just to pay their rent and, and take care of their bills and healthcare costs and things like that. And I, I mean, I think that's a huge, huge part of this. Um, I actually put on Facebook yesterday, you know, in, in light of this conversation happening, just to ask for people's stories. I don't know if you saw any of the comments, but a number of the people shared essentially, you know, I wasn't going to make it what I was doing anyway, like financially. Um, and so, you know, I, I've actually heard, I forget who it was. I heard someone call it, we, we love using these, these little names, right? The great resignation. I, I heard someone, um, they actually recoined it as the great renegotiation and, and how essentially employees now have the power to renegotiate their worth and their value because 
you know, if you look at the trends, um, you know, a couple decades after World War II, uh, you know, wages kept pace with productivity. As productivity and GDP increased, wages increased somewhat, you know, pretty close to in line. But the last 50 years or so, that has not been the case. You know, productivity has continued to climb for lots of reasons, and wages have not kept pace. And I think, you know, why are we surprised, you know, that employees are going like, this isn't working. Like, what's the point of this? You know, do you, I mean, do you see that in the people that you coach and come in contact with? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I see that people, did there, you want to negotiate with your employer or people do, but sometimes that's not flexible for them. Like the only way to make that flexible with, especially with a larger employer is to find a different opportunity somewhere else and to use that as leverage. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you can negotiate or renegotiate what your terms are. But you also have to have a bit of gumption in you, right? you know, some confidence that you're valuable or worth it. And that's why I think that the other um, other opportunities help people to leverage because they say, oh, I could actually do this. Like I can actually get this other job. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that living in the world of higher education, um, I see faculty do that. They have other opportunities all the time. People recruit them because they're publishing and doing all sorts of good work. And so then they may really want to stay where they are, but they, they see this other opportunity. It's really great for their family. It gives, affords them more space for their writing and their work, things they feel really passionate about. And so then they use that as leverage to, to renegotiate. And sometimes they stay, sometimes they go. Well, and I know um, of those, those business starts we talked about, I know, I forget the exact statistic, but a large amount of those are from women and people of color and who, who have historically trailed even further behind. Uh, when it comes to opportunity and wages and things like that. And so I, th- I think there's a sense of, of a, you know, um, there's an opportunity here for people like that, especially like, I mean, you're a mom, you're a working mom yourself and all that, you know, daycare is getting shut down. You got to go home and figure out, okay, kids can't go to school because of COVID or whatever. And you're having to figure all these out. Like if you worked a quote unquote regular job, like how difficult would today have been on you to even do this interview? Like, well, I would have scheduled it for 7.30 p.m. Right. <laughs> because I would have had to have waited until my kids were almost in bed because they're little. Probably 8 o'clock p.m. would have been a better time. So I would have worked a full day anyways and then done this um, as a bonus. And, yeah, that, I mean, that's... Which is a recipe for burnout, right? I mean, yeah, how, long, how long can you, how can you sustain that for very long? I mean, I think that's a big part of what's happening too, right? People are just like, they can't keep this up. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. People are tired. They're just tired of doing so much with little return. I think that's what I see in a lot of my clients is that they, I think they, in, it's not even so much the money is they don't feel internally valued like that, or that they, the thing that they have to give to the world matters. Or is being is actually they're not seeing any fruit from how they want to heal the world, and that's painful over time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that okay, that gets into what you do. That's a good segue. Let's jump there. You are a vocational coach. I'm gonna guess that career didn't exist like ten years ago. What is a vocational coach, Trisha? What do you do? Yeah. I coach people 
both women and men to really get clear on who God has made them to be and then live that out in their life so that they can thrive in all they are and all they do. And essentially I'm pastoring is what I'm doing in mm-hmm. one-on-one and different kinds of conversations, but very focused and giving people um, pretty honest, but also uplifting, encouraging feedback mm-hmm. with their life. So that way they can, they can move forward because that my calling is really to help people walk into their, the fullness of their identity. Mm. That way they can really find and access like live out that meaning. And, and I think this is where, you know, Christian theology, the Christian story maybe has something to say. Um, you know, the whole point of this podcast, right, is to explore this really weird time, this exile time that we're, we're at home, but we're not at home, right? This is, we, nothing feels normal. We're, we're definitely not at home anymore. Um, vocation. I, I don't know if that word is strictly a religious term or the origins of that term, but we don't use the word vocation, right? We talk about having a job. We talk about going to work, having a career. Um, what is vocation? Yeah. So it is Catholic. Okay. I would say it, there's a lot of Catholic origin to that. Um, vocation comes from vocare in the sense of the Latin. It's like to listen vocal. You get vocal. Hey, this is a geeky podcast. Let's go. Yeah, give, me some la- dirty, give me some right? Latin. Let's go. Yeah. Like if you can think of like, vocal vocation like to listen like uh, parker palmer says you listen to your life speak and so there's the sense of the calling and really vocation and calling can be interchangeable but people don't use it except for it today unless if they're the catholic church and they're calling about vocational discernment or and that's for the priest typically like for or people in the ministry mm-hmm. they're in vocational discernment or if you say, what's your vocation? We use it as like a noun. Mm. Like, what do you do for work? Which we would say, what's your job? Right. Um, like, what do you do? What's your job? Kind of a thing. And so I like it because it has roots. And because calling tends to, in the Christian world, which is where I am often because of my background and because of who I am, uh, tends to get hyper-spiritualized. Yeah. And so then it's like, well, calling, will you have a call to be a, and so then once again, it's like, what's your job? Um, but we do it in the sense of most people feel called to be something that tends to be spiritual. Like you're called to be a pastor. You're called to be a worship leader. You're called to be a, maybe a teacher. I don't know if anybody, if I hear people very often say I'm called to be a plumber or I'm called to be a farmer, or I'm called to be a lawyer. I mean, people might really feel that in their guts, and I think that's fine. But I actually would back it up and go, I don't know that we're called to do anything in particular. I think we have a calling, a why in us, that we're made to heal the world in particular ways based on our unique identity and experiences. There's this thread of redemption that runs through us. And our, it's our, you know, yeah, it's our theology of of creation, of personhood, uh, even of eschatology. Maybe you know the end things or, or or the the purposes of God that that give us that as Christians. This idea that our work has a purpose, or that who we are, our identity in the world is unique and has a purpose. And I feel like like that's what's missing, right? 
uh, from the world. Um, I actually read, I was reading this article in the New York Times a couple of days ago where they were saying that the next like C-suite role in like Fortune 500 companies would be something they call the, the chief purpose officer. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I read it. I wasn't really into it. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm Cause as a, again, as a Christian, as a pastor, I'm like, amen. Like, yeah, like people need a purpose. People need a meaning. Welcome, you know, welcome Apple to the party. Like we've known that forever, you know? Uh, but you know, this article said three out of four employees want their employer to be engaged in whatever, you know, the social debates and issues of the day are. I mean, that's, that's interesting, right? Cause like 20 years ago, even it was like, yeah, yeah. Don't bring that to work. Don't bring your higher vision for the world and what you think culture should be like, like, like leave that at home, leave that at church, like whatever. But like when you're here, do your job, get paid and go home. And now people are saying, no, like I want, I want what I do and the company that I work for to have a bigger purpose and to make a difference. Do you think, I mean, are, yeah. are companies catching on to that though? Like, do you think this is happening or? I think that companies who are not living in survival mode, like basic survival mode, they can think about this or that they are choosing to think about this. But I think those who are just surviving are not. And I mean, I could go into a few different categories of that, but I think, I think that what I, in that idea of the chief purpose officer, I think that there's another layer they did not talk about, like something mm. that they missed. Like, yes, everybody wants their company to like be a part of things that matter to them and they value, but I think that it goes beyond that too. Every person wants to know that their company values them and who they are, that they have a sense of purpose mm. in their work. And this is the part that I'm like, yes, definitely justice issues. You definitely um, taking care of children. Definitely. Like there's all these things we could say. Yes. But we care less about those things. If we are not cared for ourselves, if our own sense of value, belonging, um, personal sense of like meaning that we get to contribute that, that what we bring to the workplace is not um, is not valued by our employer or our team never and so I think that actually is more core to the issue and creating purpose yeah. than the other stuff and and I saw it just the other day I was having a conversation with somebody and we were talking about the artist community people who are our creators the people that tend to innovate culture for us well, they've been in a pandemic for the last few years. And in Portland, there has been no creative scene. There's been nothing. Mm. And so what are, what's happening with the artists and the creative people who tend to drive that culture? Well, they're having a lot of mental health issues right now. Sure. And they're depressed because they don't have purpose or their purpose is not able to be lived out. Right. They don't feel like they're living in, in that sweet spot of their vocation. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess I just wonder if this is a moment, like, is there a gap here for the church to step into and say, like, again, vocation is, I've never heard that word. I guess I've heard that word in a couple of ways, vocational school, right? Mm -hmm. Tradesmen, yeah. that kind of thing. So that's using that term almost as like a, here's some practical tools and hands-on experience we can give you to do this specific task. 
right? That's what vocational school is for, uh, for this trade. And then I've, and then outside of that, the only time I've ever heard this word used is like seminary or like ministry. Right. And so it's, I'm just wondering, like, is this a moment for the church to step into and, and remind even those who are not followers of Christ? Like, I actually think you've been made on a purpose for a purpose. Um, and I think that's found in Christ. Sure. But I, I think there's things he's put in you that is a gift to the world. And now's the chance to go explore that. You know, I mean, is there a hunger for that you think, or. I mean, I think I'm seeing it inside and outside of the church. No. In the people that I'm coaching, in the, the conversations that I'm having with executives who are working for the church and outside of the church, I've had many of them say, we need this, we need this for all the people who are discerning what's next for them, um, whether they're planning to be in um, professional ministry or they see themselves as a minister that's doing something totally else. What we want them to know is that their calling matters or their vocation matters and that they can do that with purpose in a myriad of ways, um, or they can find the way that directly fits them. There was a CBS article that I wrote, that I read where it was talking about, you know, like these 30 something high level tech, you know, geniuses who are quitting their job to go work on a farm. And so and it was like, are you serious? This is crazy. And so interviewing them, there was a statement where they said, um, you know, we want less money, but more meaning. And as a pastor and as a Christian, like alarm bells are ringing, right? Like you want more meaning. You're willing to walk away from money to find it. Wow. Like there's a space, right? For us to step into. Um, I, I think that with all of this, people finding their sense of calling and vocation that's very core to the gospel. I know what I was going to say earlier is that you are at a Wesleyan church and I have Wesleyan roots too, in the sense of the the theology or the tradition. And Mm -hmm. to me, this is something that it's just always identity. It's just very, um, very basic that God has made all of us to, um, for redemption of the whole life living that doesn't just look like being hyper-spiritual or hyper-practical or, you know, doing this particular job forever. And especially in this uh, season in the world, nobody's doing a particular job forever. Um, right. But it's, but it is core to the good news of the gospel. The good news is not just simply like find Jesus and go to heaven. It's right. It's seeing the whole world made right again. And all of us have a part in that. Mm-hmm. And that God would come through the work of all of us in partnership with God. Yeah, and that our, our vocation, our our calling and our work is actually a part of that redemption. I don't think if you ask the average person on the street, right, do you feel like your work is a part of the gospel? You know, they're like, what are you talking about, right? But work, you know, narrative speaking in the Bible, work existed before sin. Yes. Most of us view work as a necessary evil, if we're being honest, right? But work was a good thing that God gave Adam and Eve that got distorted by sin. And now most of us toil and we're frustrated with our work or whatever. I think the work that you are doing is helping people recover work as a blessing in their life. But it's only a blessing if we know who we are. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. I think that it all stems from identity. 
And the yeah. only way really we know a true sense of our identity is if we know who God is. Well, we, we could just, uh, we could go on forever and maybe after I hit pause, we'll keep talking. Cause I just want to hang out with you, but, um, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Where could, uh, where could people learn more about the work that you do? Cause you, you've got some incredible things, lots, you've got a lot of plates spinning, but where can people connect with you and learn more? Sure. Probably the easiest places are, um, a couple, you could find me at my website, uh, where I have those latest blogs on, and I'm posted, I posted one already. There'll be a couple more out in the next couple weeks. And that is nwleadershipcenter.com. So yeah, I'll put it in the show notes so people can find it. And then the other places, um, probably on Instagram. So NW Leadership Center is the handle there. You can also find it, the Leadership Center on Facebook. But my website's just as easy. Cool. Yeah, well, we'll put links to all that because I think there'll be a lot of people who might be listening to this who think like, yeah, I've, I've never explored my own vocation that might might want to connect and learn more about that. So yeah. I'm working on a few different things right now. If you sign up for my email list, you'll see what's coming and be able to know as it's coming. But like just a couple pretty basic classes that you could just download and, um, and go through just short you know, intro course on vocation. And then I'll do a mini series on podcast watching in March. There's a few different things that are coming. And then I just, I post blogs that are pretty practical all the time. Yeah, I love it. Live Your blogs are awesome. Yeah, it's just fun to be able to do that. And I just want to offer people content that is meaningful for them because I know there's a lot of people that are reaching out to me that are saying, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this or how do I get support? I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my future. So Right, right. Awesome. Trisha, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. Everybody listening, we'll, uh, we'll be back with another episode soon. In the meantime, stay close to the Father and stay curious about what He's doing. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Exploring Exile podcast. We hope today's episode helps you elevate the conversation, ask better questions, and stay curious. Make sure not to miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And if you'd like to support the show and help grow the conversation, share what you've heard today with someone else and connect with others on the Exploring Exile Facebook page. We'll see you there.